I think the thing that's important to note is that whatever your expertise currently is, there is a market for you to reach out and to serve a corporate client within the realm of your existing expertise. So you don't necessarily have to pivot and reinvent the wheel and create a different program or even create a new offering. We became entrepreneurs because more than anything, we want freedom. We want to be in control of our own schedule, income, and life. But unfortunately, that isn't always the reality of being a business owner. I'm Gillian Perkins, and I'm on a mission to take back entrepreneurship for what it's supposed to be. In every episode, I'll share with you how to get the most out of every hour you work so that you can work less and earn more. Let's get to it. Here on Work Less, Earn More, I've interviewed people about a variety of different business models that they use to run their companies. And something you may have wondered as you've listened to some of these episodes is, but what is the best business model? Well, here's the thing. There is no such thing as a best business model. There are different business models that are best for different people. It all depends on your goals and even your personality. For some folks, the online courses business model is an excellent one because they have a goal of creating passive income, they want to work as little as possible, they like creating curriculum, and they like the style of marketing that goes into selling online courses. Or maybe they want to sell a group program or they want to run a membership site. But for some people, it actually makes the most sense for them to continue to work with clients. Maybe they truly enjoy that type of work. Maybe they enjoy the interpersonal communication. Maybe they find that those deadlines with a lot of accountability really help them to get the work done in a timely manner. And maybe they struggle to motivate themselves to do work for future payoff and they find it a lot easier and more comfortable to motivate themselves to do work for a client who is waiting on that work and who is going to immediately pay them. And maybe they like the greater certainty of doing work for clients where you have someone who has promised to pay you for the work that you're doing rather than the slightly higher risk of creating a product to sell, hopefully sell, to people in the future. And when I say they, maybe I mean you. Maybe you found yourself nodding along as I was talking about those reasons why someone might prefer to work with clients. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it at all. Like I said, different business models are right for different people. But here on this show, of course, what we're talking about is how to work less and earn more. And just because you aren't going for a passive income business model doesn't mean you can't still work less and earn more. It doesn't mean that there aren't ways that you can work smarter instead of always just trying to work harder, including when it comes to working with clients. Now, one of the most obvious ways that you can do this is to work with higher paying clients. If you are working with lower paying clients, you'll have to do a whole lot more work to earn a certain amount of money than you would if you were working with higher paying clients. So in this episode, we are going to be talking about how to get those higher paying clients. Specifically, I am interviewing Ruth Joy Connell on how to land corporate clients. Now, you'll learn a bit more about Ruth Joy in this episode, including her background with corporate pitching. But most importantly, you're going to learn all about the corporate pitching process itself, including, first of all, how to 
make yourself appealing to corporate clients? How can you position yourself to do this successfully? Second, what this corporate pitching process looks like and how to be successful with it. And then finally, who exactly should you go after and try to pitch? We'll talk about all that and a whole lot more in this episode, so keep on listening. Hey there, Ruth Joy. Welcome to Work Less, Earn More. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Gillian. I'm excited to be here. So I'd love to start by just hearing a little bit about your experience with pitching corporate clients. What has that looked like in your own business? How did you get started pitching corporate clients? And also, maybe you could touch on why this is an important topic, even for maybe the small business owner or the freelancer who hasn't yet started pitching corporate clients and is feeling a little intimidated by it. Yes, absolutely. So to give a little bit of background of how I got into this and and why I became interested in pitching corporate, my professional career has been in sales. Uh, And so I started off working with a manufacturing company and I was doing inside sales, which is a lot of the research side of things, but I wasn't the one, you know, going door to door selling our product at that time. But I did work my way through from inside sales all the way up to the sales trainer. And in that career, um, in that time span, I had a lot of experience working with other companies and being a part of that sales process and getting to sit at the table, so to speak. Um, And in doing so, it just made me realize how much money was out there and available to other businesses, but small business owners especially, that's not often a route that we go when we're looking to um, you know, bring in new clients for our business, increase our revenue, et cetera. And yet there's a whole world out there of corporate clients and uh, corporate contracts and multiple five figures, six figures, seven figure deals that is available to us. But oftentimes we're not thinking about that. And sometimes it might even feel out of reach because you might just be one person in your business or you might be yourself and a VA or a small team, et cetera. So it might feel like I'm not big enough in order to go after those opportunities or Um, I'm not positioned for that, et cetera. And so I noticed that as I was working with clients, um, of of my own in my business, what I was that I was building on the side, um, a few of them had a lot of professional professional experience where they were taking what they were doing in their corporate careers and helping other uh, small business owners with those with that same skill set. Um, and a few of them had opportunities to work with larger clients, um, but needed some support in order to do that. So then because I had had that experience already, that was was how I supported my clients. And to be honest, it wasn't a a service offering um, that I was intending to go down. But as I was helping clients here and there, both with the pricing side of things and then with the actual sales process, because that's what I was doing daily in my In my nine to five job, I was training our sales team. I was developing the systems um, around the sales. I was getting to be a part of the sales process and in the negotiations. And so as I was helping my clients with this and I realized, okay, there's an actual gap here between the, the level of clients that small business owners and entrepreneurs, they can serve, but maybe who they have access to or, or, or the pathway or the resources in order to get there. And so that was, that's really how I ended up doing what I'm doing today. Could you give me some examples of some corporate clients that you've pitched or maybe that your clients have pitched and what that process looked like? I love to give examples of our clients because I think it really opens up 
people's mind and imagination about what's possible for them. So one of our clients was a or is a financial education, personal finance educator. And so she works with creating programs and working with students within her program to help them with their personal finance. So what she, what she did when she came to work with us is she had already developed this program. And so what I helped her do and me and my team, what we helped her do was position that program to sell it to businesses as is. Of course, it needed a little bit more support because, um, you know, when you're selling it to a company, it's there are going to be a lot more people taking that that program than in the usual size of her cohorts. But the main thing is that we weren't creating anything new. We were saying, okay, this is what you already do. It's what you're already an expert in. You already have um, a proven track record of success in this area. So we took that and helped her position it and package it to sell to corporations. And she was able to do that successfully and hire and have the cl- the company be her client and then have the employees in, her com- in that company go through her financial education program. Now, often when you think about financial education and learning how to create a budget or, you know, learning how to pay off your credit card or learning about credit scores, etc. We don't often think about that being an actual service or product that you can offer to a multi-seven figure company, but she was successfully able to do that. And we had a, a, another, another client who does financial, sorry, tech consulting. And so he's a a consultant for large corporations and really an expert in Salesforce and really helps them with Salesforce. And so um, he has his own program similarly that he had already been selling just to individuals, uh, people that he knows in other networks, groups of friends, etc. And so uh, with that expertise, we were able to help him position himself and, and the program that he already had to sell into larger corporations. So that's some examples. And then even for myself, we always work with corporate clients as well. And so um, similarly, I've taken my background in sales and specifically sales enablement, which is kind of what we do with our, our clients as well, is really providing them with the resources, the tools, the training in order to go out there and secure the sales on their own. And so I've taken that and the clients that we work with, that's what we help them with. And so that is slightly different depending on the company. It looks a little bit different um, because it might be a company that has their own sales department um, or has their own sales enablement team. So we might work with their team or it might be a company who's looking to train a sales enablement person in-house and they want us to help train them. So it looks a little bit different depending on the company. But I think the thing that's important to note is that whatever your expertise currently is, there is a market for you to reach out and to serve a corporate client within the realm of your existing expertise. So you don't necessarily have to pivot and reinvent the wheel and create a different program or even create a new offering. Sometimes and often what you have right now is already perfectly positioned to serve corporate. You just got to know who you're targeting and how to get there. Okay, so it sounds like such a cool opportunity to be able to take, especially like a course or a digital product that you already have and be able to Mm -hmm. sell it to a corporate client and instantly get a lot more students into your program and be able to sell it for a much higher price point, especially when it's something you've already created like that. So I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot, Ruth Joy, and let's pretend that you and I were working together. And one product that I sell is a course about YouTube strategy and YouTube growth. And Mm -hmm. 
I know that there are companies out there that might be interested in, not that might be interested, that are interested, right? In using YouTube for their business, for their marketing. They need to learn YouTube strategies. And I recently have had a few different medium-sized companies reach out to me and ask me, like, how do I purchase your course? But they weren't necessarily purchasing it for their team. And I'd love to work with maybe bigger corporations or bigger companies and give them YouTube training that they need, right? What would that process look like? How would I take my existing course and how would I pitch it to a corporate client? I love that. So I love that we're going to work with a tangible example here. Um, and I think the first thing that I would tell you to do is you're you're already clear on how your course solves a problem and is a solution for the students that go through your course right now. So the first thing that I, I always encourage everybody to do is to identify your client and your consumer. And so what I mean by that is when you're working with, with corporate clients, the company themselves is your client. They're the one who's paying you. It's it's being a check or um, a transfer or the money is being issued from the company, right? But the person who actually uses your services, so in this case, this YouTube course that you have, it might not be the entire company using it, right? So it might be maybe a handful of people in their marketing department, maybe even just one person in their marketing department. And so the client is the company, but the consumer, the person who's actually using the product that you are selling is different. And so differentiating between your client and your consumer that is an important first step because it allows you to then take the, the YouTube course that you're offering and look at it from both perspectives and say, okay, how is this beneficial to the company, the person who's actually hiring and paying me? What's the outcome for them? For example, maybe it increases the amount of clients or customers that they're able to reach. Maybe it increases the loyalty within their existing customer base. So ultimately that has to do with revenue. Maybe it decreased costs because right now they are working with three companies just to get their YouTube page up and running and to get it uh, SEO ready and to be able to um, monetize it, et cetera. So maybe they're piecemealing their solution together right now, but taking this course is going to give them all of the resources and the strategies that they need to be able to do that in-house. So it's not just reducing costs, but maybe it's increasing their revenue, maybe it's increasing customer retention or uh, the user experience for their clients, et cetera. So now what you're doing is you're taking a look at how is this what I'm offering beneficial to the client, the company that's hiring me. So we're going to look at it from that perspective. And then we're also going to look at it from the perspective of the consumer. How is this beneficial for the person who's actually learning this skill set and applying what they're learning in this program? Right, So it's cutting down on time for them. It's probably increasing their productivity, maybe increasing their output, increasing the quality of the work that they're able to provide to, to their team. Um, of course, giving them a whole new skill set or maybe improving on an, on an existing skill set for them, which is helping them in their professional career, etc. So we're also looking at it from the perspective of the consumer, the person who's actually going to be using the, the service, the program, the offering that you are that you're selling, we want to look at it from both perspectives. So that's always going to be the first step. And the reason that that's important is because when you are actually engaging in conversation with the company, it is important to speak to both perspectives. And often you're going to have 
representatives that are representing both perspectives on that call with you, either on a discovery call or on a proposal call down the road. You're going to have the person who's thinking about the company's bottom line, and then you're going to have the person who's thinking about the work that they have to do. And you want to be able to speak to both perspectives on the call. That's really going to be able to set you up for success. And so before we jump into you know, tactics and all that kind of stuff, just taking a moment to really identify these two things is it's really foundational for your success along the journey from beginning to end. So that's going to be the first thing that we do. From there, we're clear on the problem. We're clear on how it benefits the client. We're clear on how it benefits the consumer. From here on out, this is where your marketing really comes into play. And when I say marketing, it does not have to be sophisticated strategies. It is literally speaking to the things that we just identified consistently. So if you are on LinkedIn, if you are on YouTube, whatever platform you might be marketing on, right? It's speaking to those things, the problems that we identified, the benefits, you want to be speaking to them consistently. Again, however you decide to do this is 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 good for you. There is no one right way to market. But I will say, when you are looking for corporate clients, LinkedIn is, is going to be the best platform hands down. Reason being because research shows that there are 65 million decision makers on LinkedIn. It is a hub of an easy place that you can go to reach the people who are actually making the decisions within the companies that you want to work with. In addition, um, executives, millions of executives have accounts on LinkedIn. So even if they're not necessarily the final decision maker, you still have access to the people who can get you into the company. So I do recommend making LinkedIn a part of your strategy, but I will always say if your audience is on another platform, be on the platform that your audience is on. You don't have to be everywhere. So taking the time to understand that is important. Where are the decision makers that you're looking for? And focus your efforts on that that platform. And if you have capacity to be everywhere, then of course, go ahead and do that. But if not, focus on where, on where that audience is going to be. So this is where we're going to be marketing. That's step two, so to speak. We're going to be marketing and speaking to those problems consistently through thought leadership, through sharing your own experience of how you were able to solve those problems either for yourself or for some of the clients that you've worked with, even if they're other small business clients or just individual people who don't have businesses, you still want to speak to how you solved that problem in the past or more recently, how you are solving it for your current students. So you want to speak to those things right now as well, and you want to weave that into your marketing. The most important things there is just to be consistent and clear on the fact that you know what you're talking about and you're speaking very specifically to the one problem that you are solving with your with your product. That's going to be step two. So let me interrupt you for just a moment with a question. Yes. So when you're talking about having this consistent message on LinkedIn um, or on any other platform that you're using, but I'm especially kind of curious about it with LinkedIn because I... I'm on LinkedIn, but I don't use it a lot. And I know you can create content on LinkedIn. You can post videos, you can post articles and things like that. But is that what you're talking about? Are you talking about creating content on LinkedIn or like exactly what form would communicating this message go? Because I see it as rather different from a 
a platform like Instagram or YouTube that is very content creation centric. Like the whole point of YouTube is to make videos, right? Like that's yeah. what people do on it. They either create videos or they're watching videos. And on Instagram, same thing. Like it is driven by creating content and consuming the content. But LinkedIn is a little bit different. It's a little bit more like Facebook, a little bit more conversation focused, right? Yes. And that's that's a great point. Gillian as well like when it comes to LinkedIn it is a different it is a different platform but it also is a content creation platform it just the content creation looks a little bit different if if not maybe every other platform outside of LinkedIn it is very visual very um, high energy in terms of the content that you're creating and putting out there also of course very informative LinkedIn is um, I, I would probably say a little bit more direct in that they're like, what is the point that you're trying to share? How do you get to it? And what's relevant to me, right? So a good contrast here is that when it comes to content on LinkedIn, uh, so LinkedIn releases studies about their platform all the time and reports about their platform all the time. Most recently, one of their uh, recent reports that they released showed that LinkedIn's engagement is 0.35. That's the average engagement that a person gets on LinkedIn. So engagement being like a like or a comment or a share, etc. But when it comes to people who are reading the things that you're putting out uh, your newsletters, or whether it's just a post on your page, that is upwards of 65%. And so that just shows you that while people might not be liking your post like they would on other platforms, or maybe commenting like they would on other platforms, there are people who are paying attention. And the people who are paying attention are doing so very closely to the content that you're sharing on there. So when we talk about creating content and, and sharing this messaging, that could be in a long form post and one of the simplest things that I recommend to do when you're starting off on LinkedIn, because sometimes it can feel very daunting, is to take the content, uh, piece, pieces of the content that you are creating on other platforms and repurpose it in long form, long form posts on LinkedIn. And so if, for example, a YouTube video that you created, you could take maybe a portion of it, maybe one key point that you share that you thought was really great or is a good point that you want to get across, trans have it transcribed, and then post that on LinkedIn as part of a post and then include the link to your YouTube page, right? Or to the YouTube video that you just released so that they can go there for more and get the full context of the content that you're sharing there as well. So when it comes to posting content, yes, we do want to create content. It's still, it's still a platform for content creation, but what's important is knowing what your audience wants. And so on LinkedIn, consistency is, is probably more important than quantity. It's not a platform where you have to be posting daily and, and even in terms of engagement. Again, the platform LinkedIn's report shows that most users are active between Monday to Friday. So it very closely reflects a work week. Um, so Monday to Friday, even if you are going to post regularly, then probably five times a week is more than sufficient. Um, but even three times a week, two or three times a week, the most more consistent you are, the better it is. And that doesn't mean you have to be posting five times a week. It just means if you're going to post once a day or sorry, once a week, then do that consistently um, because that's really what the algorithm and the platform is, is measuring is your consistency and how people are interacting with the content you do put out there. So I guess to summarize, 
it is a it is a platform for content creation but if you have already mastered or put a lot of time and effort into getting your content strategy down on another platform then the simplest way to integrate LinkedIn is to simply repurpose your content and to keep it simple again if you if it's just an individual person and they don't have a full team that they're working with then the simplest way you can do that is take your content and turn it into text and post it on LinkedIn just maybe of course format it so it's a little bit easier to read it's not you know bulk paragraphs but take it repurpose it as text and post it on LinkedIn. It doesn't need a graphic. You can include the link to your other platform um, where, where your content lives on another platform if you would like. But I think that's the simplest way to introduce LinkedIn into your, your marketing strategy. So where do we go from there? We've thought about that target client and consumer, and now we've started creating some content on LinkedIn. And so how does that then lead to landing this corporate client? So in an ideal, perfect world, you would then have prospects reaching out to you. So you would then have companies who are like, hey, I'd love to learn more about what you do, et cetera. Um, and, and ideally, hopefully your content gives some invitation to get a little more deeper into your ecosystem as well, maybe through a webinar, maybe through a training, maybe through your email list, et cetera. Um, so ideally, you'd have some of that sprinkled out through, throughout your marketing as well. That's an invitation for them to come a little bit deeper into your ecosystem and learn more about what you do. But that's in an ideal world. Outbound marketing, which is you going out and contacting prospects, is a very important part of working with corporate clients. Um, and so for that, what I have is a very simplified seven-step process that I we call, I call the alternative method that I walk people through as to how to land their very first corporate client because it simplifies the process and gets your feet wet. The alternative method is a simplified process for reaching out to corporate clients and to land your very first corporate client. So essentially, the reason that I created this was because it can feel very scary reaching out to very large corporations and decision makers. And so what I wanted to do was make this as simple as possible. And the, the easiest way to do that is to find the companies that are already actively looking for what you're offering and to kind of pop up and say, hey, I see that you need this. This is what I, this is exactly what I do. And so that's what the alternative method does. So there are seven steps to it. The first step is identifying some basic qualifying criteria. So for example, do you want to work with companies that are startups or do you want to work with companies that are well-established um, in their markets and they're not new to they're not new to the market, right? And for example, do you also want to work with companies that are smaller? So maybe between like 20 to 50 employees, or do you want to work with companies that have more than a thousand employees and have multiple locations all across the country, et cetera? So these are just some basic qualifying criteria that you want to establish for yourself so that you can narrow down who you are targeting um, and also it gives you a little bit more clarity and confidence of knowing that the companies you're targeting are well aligned with your current capacity, your current skill set, and with your ability to deliver. So just some basic qualifying criteria. Again, some examples are maybe the industry that they're in, the size of the company, the age of the company. By that, I just mean, is it a new company? Is it older? Etc. Um, as well as maybe annual revenue. Do you want them to be making a certain amount because you know that your services start at a certain dollar point? 
Um, so those are some things to c- consider for basic qualifying criteria. That's step number one. Step number two is then to prepare a one sheet. And a one sheet is what it sounds like. It is a, a one page document that has an overview, a little bit about who you are, but really focuses on the problem you solve, who you solve it for, and the outcomes or benefits that your clients and consumers can expect. So why this is important to do is because when you're reaching out to a company, chances are they're not going to be familiar with you. Chances are they've never heard of you before. And so it's important for you to be able to provide some information that they can take back and and go through on their own, right? If you reach out initially um, and you're like, hey, here's what I do, want to work together, that's probably not going to be, it's not going to go very well. Um, And that's not positioning yourself for success, right? If this is their first introduction to you, they're going to want some time to get to know you, to vet you, to understand what it is you do, etc. And so preparing that one sheet is something that you can send to them for them to take their time and look through. Um, And they're also, keep in mind, going to vet you through your social media platforms. Um, And that's also why LinkedIn, we talked about step two earlier with that marketing. That's also why getting your content out there is important because it's important for them to have something to look through and and gauge your expertise and vet your expertise as well. So having that one sheet is going to be step two in in this process. Then from there, what you want to do is identify some core skills. And by that, I mean really look at it as if you were applying for a job. <laughs> um, so if you are have strengths in project management, if you have uh, strengths with your current services or, or products that you offer, what were the skill sets that you put into that that you are really strong in? Um, organization might be one of them or really like piecing together marketing strategy could be really well, or identifying marketing insights or identifying trends, et cetera. Those might be the, the core skills that have gone into the product or service that you have currently created and that you currently offer. So you wanna write those down, just create a simple list of what your core skills are as though you were applying for a, a job, like a, a regular job. That's gonna be step three. Step four is then identifying some job titles that correspond with the core skills that we just identified. And so the reason that we're doing this here is because we are ultimately working towards creating a list of prospects that we can reach out to. And so in order to do this, we want to find out what are some of the job titles that that would correspond with my current expertise. Maybe even the title that you refer to yourself as right now is a, a job a job position, right? And if that's the case, then fantastic. You want to look, so maybe project management is part of what you do. And of course, there are jobs as project managers, or maybe you're an online business manager, um, or maybe you're a freelance writer, uh, right? And so you want to be looking for maybe jobs that are in communication um, or content writing, etc. So you want to look for job titles that then align with some of the core skills that you identified. And I always would recommend pick the core skills that you love the most. So if there are things that you had have had to learn to be good at, but you don't necessarily enjoy, maybe steer away from those things, because ideally you want to enjoy as much of the work that you're doing as possible. So uh, lean more towards the job titles that that light your soul up and that you enjoy the most. So that is going to be step five. Uh, sorry, step four is identifying those job titles. Then from there, step five is to create a prospect list. So you identify the job titles. From there, you want to create a prospect list by looking up those job titles 
on actual job platforms like Indeed or like LinkedIn or ZipRecruiter, etc. Those are some great platforms to start with. And the reason that we're doing this is because we now want to align. We have taken the time to align your current skill set. We've prepared some information for your prospects for the point at which we do reach out. Um, And now what we're looking to do is align who are the companies that are actively looking for somebody with this skill set. They're actively hiring right now because there's a need and a gap in, in this particular area. So using those job platforms, you're going to create a prospect list of the different companies that are hiring for those jobs. So whether it be a project manager, whether it be a content writer or a copywriter um, or a marketing strategist or et cetera, whatever that might be, whatever those job titles are that you identified previously, you want to take some time and make a list. I always say start off with 10, uh, but of course, the more the better, uh, especially because this process takes some time and you're not gonna get responses from everybody that you reach out to. So increasing that list is always great, but at minimum, create a list of 10. I think that helps it be a little bit more manageable and a little bit less scary as well. So create that prospect list and you're writing down the companies that are that are actively hiring as well as the jobs that they're actively hiring for that align with the job titles that you had just identified. That's step number five. And then step number six is when we actually reach out and we pitch an alternate solution. So up until this point, you're like, hey, it kind of sounds like I'm applying for a job. You're not. <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. I understand, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're looking for freedom. We are not trying to tie ourselves to another nine to five job, no matter how great that that salary or that um, paycheck might look. I completely understand that. So we are not actually applying for a job. But what we are doing is taking a shortcut to find the companies that are actively searching for someone. And once we have that short list of companies, then we can reach out and say, hey, this is actually what I do, but I do it in this way. I have a course, I have a program, I have worked with these particular companies in the past or these clients, and this is how I've helped them. So this is where you're reaching out and you're pitching an alternate solution. And for this, I have a script because I know it can be a bit tricky. So I do have a script that I provide and I'm happy to provide all of this. Um, It's called the ultimate guide. I'm happy to provide that as well for for your audience to be able to go through um, so that they can reference it. And also the script is in there for them to to use as well. Um, So this is, is scripted out because it does, we do want to be a little bit more strategic. We want to be short and to the point and direct, but make it clear that we are offering something of value. So when you are reaching out at this point for step six and you're pitching your alternate solution, you are pitching for a conversation. Success in this step is getting on a call with them. It's You're not going to send them an email and say, hey, this is what I have to offer. I'd love to work with you. And they say yes over an email. It's just, it's not likely going to happen. So managing expectations here, what success looks like at this stage is being able to get on a conversation with them and get on a call with them and have a conversation about exactly what they're looking for, where those needs have come up. You know, why don't they have a content writer? Is this uh, you know, for example, is it a project that they're working on? Is it an ongoing, is it an area where they need ongoing support? Have they had a lot of turnover in that area? Is the content tricky, et cetera? So now you're you're gathering more information about what they need, which is going to help you decide, is this a good fit for you, for you and what you can actually offer? And of course, it's going to help them do the same as well. Is this a good fit? And so they might be looking to hire an employee 
but you are pitching yourself as an independent contractor. You're pitching yourself as an independent expert saying, I can actually help you accomplish this goal and here's how I do it. And your methodology being your program, being your service, being the way that you work with your clients, that's what you are then having the conversation with them about and explaining a little bit more about. So number step number six is to pitch your alternate solution. And that's the point which at which we're actually reaching out to have a conversation with them. And then lastly, step number seven is to revise and repeat. So after having gone through that process, especially with step sticks and reaching out where you've had success, implement the things that were best practices for you or that worked really well for you, make those standard for your process and then repeat it and make it better over time. When you're getting more feedback, either companies reaching out and saying, hey, actually we're not interested or other companies that are saying, hey, actually this is great because we do want to hire a content writer, but we do actually need more immediate support right now. So we'd love to work with you until we can get someone hired. And then maybe even when they do hire somebody, you can say, hey, I can also train them or I can put them through the course that I have and make sure that they're up to the standard that you need as well, etc. So you want to uh, rinse and repeat and revise and repeat for step number seven, making sure that you're taking what's working along the way and implementing that to be best and standard practice for you moving forward. So those are the seven steps that are in the alternative method of how to actually find find your first contract and, and reach out and communicate along the way as well. Thank you so much for sharing all of that, Ruth Joy. That really breaks it down and just makes it be a lot more kind of realistic and practical how you would go about that. Um, could you tell us a little bit about how we could get the ultimate guide that you mentioned? I'm happy to provide the the link to it to download so that you get, we can include it in the show notes. But essentially, it's also on, on our website and on our social media platforms. If you click in our, our, the link in our bio, you can also find it there. But I'm happy to provide the, the link to it so that it's easily accessible in the show notes. And it's just a free guide. Uh, it's a download. It literally walks through all the seven steps, but it also has places in there for you to fill in. It has a little bit of extra tips. And like I mentioned, it has that script there, which I a script and an example, which I think is going to be really valuable and helpful when you're actually implementing this. So you can see an example of, of what it actually looks like. And that's taken from emails that we have sent in the past from my own company um, that we have sent that have been successful. We've pieced that together to put an example uh, for for everyone to see and then a, a script to break it down as to how you would write your own as well. Great. Thank you. Well, I'll be sure to get that link and to have it included in the show notes. And Ruth Joy, just thank you so much for everything that you've shared with us today about this opportunity to pitch corporate clients. I think that, like I said a moment ago, like you've made it so practical and so much less intimidating because I think a lot of the time people who run businesses and maybe they're selling right now to consumers or to individuals at least, even if it is technically B2B, and they're doing marketing to just attract clients to their business, and they're just kind of taking the clients who come, um, it can be a, a big a big bridge to cross to go from that to actually actively pitching. So thank you so much for everything that you shared with us today. My pleasure. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Work Less, Earn More. Now, here's what I want you to do next. Take a screenshot of this episode you're listening to right now and share it out on your Instagram stories. And when you do, make sure you tag me at Gillian Z Perkins so I can see you're listening. Sharing on stories is going to help more people find this podcast so they too can learn how to build their business in a way that allows them to work less and earn more. And if you really love the show, head over to Apple Podcasts right now and leave Work Less, Earn More a review to give it a boost and help even more people find it. Okay, let's wrap this up. I'm Gillian Perkins, and until next week, stay focused and take action. Oh,